0: You're listening to Questions on the Way podcast with Greg and Jeremy.
1: Hey, you guys, welcome! We're excited to bring you the podcast today. Questions on the way. This is Jeremy coming at you from where are we at, Greg.
0: We're in studio two. Studio two this week. Yeah, studio yeah. two. We're just gonna we're gonna keep a rolling list of different <laughs> studios.
1: Yes, we're calling this studio two. Anyways, <laughs> we're out here today. It's a little bit. Um, we got more room. I'm actually going to start oh, with a question for Greg. Oh, though. I'm so scared. He doesn't know what it is. Oh, it's no. not a hard one, um, and I know the answer to it, but I just want to hear you <laughs> what talk I say about it. Oh, great! The question is, what is your favorite animal and why?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you do know what the answer is. I do. Is. I do. So my favorite animal—it's an Alaskan animal and probably what most people think of when they think of alaskan animals are moose mm-hmm. or uh polar bears mm-hmm. or bears in general or bears yeah but i like caribou
1: yes and it's yes.
0: because they are hilarious <laughs> they are the funniest animal so my favorite part <clears throat> about caribou is so i hunt i i hunt up here and i hunt caribou as well but i also hunt moose and we'll be out on a on a moose hunt and caribou will just kind of they'll trot next to you as you're hunting moose. And they'll be like, Hey guys, um, how's it going? What are you what are you are you guys looking for moose right now? Are guys, oh,
1: where are they at? Is it kind of like Sven <laughs> off of um Fred the Frozen movies where he's like, <clears throat>
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. So but the funny part about caribou is then uh they're super curious, but as soon as you stop the four-wheeler or whatever you're traveling on or By foot, even as soon as you stop, they'll all of a sudden they'll stop, and then they'll look at you with total panic. (laughs) It's like, wait a minute, you can stop moving. You can see me. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Yeah, I love them. They're just they're the best.
1: I I, right now wish this was like a video production because I love your caribou impression, but something (laughs) would be lost if we try to do it over over audio. I think, but you'll just have to trust me, guys.
0: That's so funny. So yeah, today, anyways, um, we do actually have a, a serious question. We do, yeah. And uh, this actually, this question came from a former student of mine, and the question is: is uh, how do we know the Bible still means what was originally written, and has the Bible been altered? So um, basically, I think what the premise is is uh the bible is you know however many thousands of years old yeah yeah how does how do we know that it's still in the same context
1: man and that's such a good question you know we i know we've been researching this and looking into it for a couple weeks to how best to present the answer to this question Mm -hmm. you know if you're only listening for just the answer to the question today i can give you the answer right off the top but then we're going to dig into it
0: yeah it's a big one it is
1: on the surface what i would say as like just like a you know if we were just having like a five minute conversation is that the bible that we have has a long-standing tradition within the church of being the preserved word of god mm-hmm. the words that he spoke either directly uh, audibly like you need to think about moses or that he spoke through the authors of the Bible um, through His Holy Spirit.
0: So we're talking the actual words of God. The
1: actual words okay. of God. Yeah, okay. and and like I said, this is from the earliest tradition of the church has recognized that what we call the Bible, um, the mm-hmm. Old and New Testament, is the Word of God, and as such, God has preserved it in its entirety throughout time. Okay. And that's all, folks. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's
0: it. Okay. Well, that was good. That was a good one. But. no I think
1: so when we talked about this um i really think to kind of get behind the question a little bit is i think we have to address like what is the bible sure yeah exactly you know, we we know it's this book we know that you know jesus people use it you know we know that
0: right the first five books are the books of the law called like the torah or yeah. uh what's the what's the christian word for the first five books
1: uh the pentateuch
0: yeah the pentateuch i like always a forget pentagon that. but but two. Okay. Gotcha.
1: Maybe that means the law. Gotcha. That might have been a good thing to look at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what is the Bible? Just some, like, just some facts. The Bible is a collection of 65 uh, writings. We call them books, mm-hmm. books of the Bible. Um, 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books. And this is what I thought was really cool. The reason that we have the book in its modern form mm-hmm. is because people wanted to read the Bible. Because the Word of God had been, had been recorded, had been passed down to generations, and people wanted to read the Bible for themselves. Yeah, sure. And if you think originally, these would have been written on scrolls, you mm-hmm. know, even in the New Testament. You know, Jesus' first time um, in, in the temple where he speaks, he was handed the scroll of Isaiah, and he opened it and he read. So it's like you would have had to literally, like, scroll through wow. to find the passage. Well, sure. that's not accessible to people. Right, there were original writings that then would have been copied, and that just wasn't accessible. The church was kind of like the keeper of those documents. Um, so that was the original with scrolls. Well, then people just started transcribing it because you you know you want to have copies, and you know, those be pre-copy machines, you know, pre-printing press even, and um, these would have been copied into sheets. So you would have had stacks of paper. It's like, oh, you want to read the Book of Mark? Here you go. You know, stack. Oh of paper. wow. Not, I mean, and you can do that, but still, just not convenient. So. They started binding it on one side, the sheets of paper, and that was called the Codex. And the Codex was this, the precursor to the modern book that we have a series of pages bound together.
0: Okay, so you're thinking the modern book then was probably came because of the Bible?
1: Yeah, the Greek word for book is Biblia.
0: Well, well that's pretty. Which is where we get Bible. I from. think I hear as resemblance in words. <laughs> there is. Now that you say that. You know. So it's
1: like, and I think that's really cool. Like the reason we have any books in their modern form is because people want to read the Bible
0: Oh, that's awesome and
1: so the binding of the Bible so um, it was written originally it was written in Hebrew the Old Testament primarily and there's a couple books in Aramaic okay uh, book as and the book of Daniel um, and we could get into that sure. at some point but not right now sure um, okay and then the the New Testament was written uh, in Greek so three different languages um, there were 40 different authors. And the cool thing when you look at the authors is there's a huge diverse background. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people familiar with the Bible know that, you know, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. They might have heard of like the Apostle Paul or you've got the prophet. Sure. But the reality is when you look into the authors of the Bible, you had farmers, you had fishermen. Um, Paul, as we mentioned, was a tent maker. You had the prophets. You had a doctor who wrote a couple books. Dr. Luke wrote the book of Luke and the book of mm. Acts. Um, you had musicians. You look at the Psalms. Lots of those were written by um, court musicians and King David. Uh, you had scribes, you had pastors, and then you had kings. So very diverse background of people writing the Bible.
0: Sure. Yeah. Now, do you see that that causes any discrepancy? Or when you're reading the Bible, do you ever notice that, like, hey, this thing is written totally different because this guy was obviously well-educated and this person...
1: I don't know, yeah. Well, it's interesting because yeah. when you're talking about the writing of the Bible, and we'll get into this in a little more detail in a minute, but mm-hmm. um, we're talking about people, you know, as the Word of God, it was inspired. The authors were inspired. They didn't write anything down of their own accord. I mean, yes, it definitely would have had their personality to it. Like, you read the, the writings of Paul, and you can definitely pick out the writings of Paul versus, like, a minor prophet from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So there are, in, in I would say, individual personalities represented in the Bible. But at the same time, it's all God's word and it's all what God wanted to preserve. And so he wrote through these men. No, um, yeah. inspiration. Sure. Okay. So there's unity. Okay. There is difference. There is, you know, there is the diversity. I think it's probably a much more dynamic and interesting book. The fact that there are different authors because it gives different perspectives, even like the gospel. You know, the greatest story ever told is the story of Jesus coming to earth. And it's written from four different perspectives. You have the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, why do we need four different perspectives on the gospel? It's like, well, because it's going to resonate with different people, you know, different learning styles, different you know, dynamics.
0: Sure. I suppose that if I was to read something and it was just written by one guy and it was something as big as God, I would have a much harder tendency to, I know for myself, want to believe it. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, believability, I think, you know, one issue, but I really think it speaks to God's creativity, mm-hmm. you know, and just like he could have written, you know, in, in the Old Testament, you know, we've got the Ten Commandments. Everyone's pretty familiar with like the Ten Commandments, the tablets of stone. Well, God wrote those himself with his own finger into like tablets of rock. I mean, which is
0: that's pretty impressive. Pretty awesome. yeah. He could
1: have written the whole Bible that way. Right. Um, but I think it would have, it would have been different. It would have been differently dynamic. Would it have still been God's word? Sure. But the fact that he used us, you know, that he used mankind to, to record and to write his word, I think is awesome because like he still wants to use us today mm-hmm. to to build his kingdom.
0: So if you noticed any kind of a strange gap there for a second, <laughs> we were sitting here recording and all of and we're, this is a Saturday and it's a totally empty school. A- and we just hear piano music start playing like... Is it starting? Like, what's... <laughs> is, is he here? <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it turns out it was just another teacher rocking out. So. Rocking
1: out. Yeah. Just, some, just some video stuff. Anyways.
0: So, anyways, carry yeah, on. Yeah. So,
1: we're talking about the Bible written over a period of 1,500 years. Um, Old Testament was written about over a 1,400 year period, which is, you know, a long time. The well, oldest book is probably the book of Job. Okay. The last book written in the Old Testament is 1st uh, and 2nd Chronicles. And I guess technically that'd be second chronicles the last
0: oh gotcha <laughs> I, I just know that job is spelled job so. like a job yeah, yeah
1: okay <laughs> um and then the new testament was actually comparatively written relatively um shortly it took about 50 years to write the new testament so um the old testament uh again job written about 1400 bc so how many
0: how many authors in the new testament though about do you
1: that's know that's a good question i think it's like I should know. I I know Paul wrote thirteen books. Yeah, he and he wrote like only a... twenty-seven total. So
0: okay, so yeah, so I around think less, thirteen. Yeah, I think
1: less than ten. I'm not sure. I'm not okay, sure. no, I was you just know, curious. That's a good thing for you guys to, to yeah. Google. How many authors of the New Testament? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I I just like that kind of.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, the last book, the New Test- Testament, was written about 90 A.D. Okay, um, but only about 50 years to write. So. Um, and, and that's what's referred to as the canon. If you ever hear anybody talk about like the canon of scripture, what they're talking about is like, these are the books that we, the church agrees, are the inspired word of God.
0: Gotcha. Not an uh, actual canon?
1: Not not a canon. Okay. Nothing. They put all the papers in and shot them out. <laughs> okay. All right. All a... right.
0: Good. Because I had no idea what you, he... <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I think that that's a good, so that was a good, I think a good capsule of like, what is the Bible? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I think beyond that we have to say, okay, great, that's the Bible. Well, how do I know it's true? You know, you're saying it's the word of God, but you know, what is what does that mean?
0: Right, yeah, we've established there is a Bible, but Yeah a Substance. So, yeah.
1: As the recorded word of God, um, you know, the Almighty, the sovereign God, um, who has existed before all time and now and forever, um, the God, the creator of the world, as these are his recorded words, um, Everything God says is true. Mm -hmm. God cannot be anything but true, and so nothing in the Bible can be false if, indeed, it is the Word of God. Sure. So the fact that it's the Word of God makes it true. Okay. Okay. Makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's where it's always important to, you know, tell people that when Jesus says, "I am a door." You can't just think like he's an actual door, but he's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: and and the Bible follows, I mean, it follows the rules of, of, it is literature. You know, it's like there's allegory in the Bible. You know, there's parables, which are these these earthly stories, which may or may not actually be true, Mm -hmm. that Jesus used largely to teach like eternal principles. Um, So, you know, there's metaphor, there's similes, there's idioms, like all that is in the Bible because it is a dynamic book written. It's not just like thou shalt this and thou shalt that.
0: Sure. Okay. Yeah, that makes total sense then.
1: But we find in um, in 2 Corinthians, you know, when people say, well, what is the Bible? I, this is a verse that I always go to, 2 um, Corinthians thir- uh, 3, verse 16 and 17. And it says that all Scripture is inspired by God. And I want to pause there because in the in the original text, the word inspired here means breathed out. Well, so all Scripture is breathed out by God and is useful to teach us what is true. To make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work.
0: Gotcha. So that, that really is talking about how God is inspiring the people that actually wrote, wrote the Bible, wrote it down.
1: Yeah, and I mean, when you think about like speaking, when I'm speaking, there's actual like breath coming out of me. So, mm-hmm. you know, the idea that God breathed out this word, you know, he inspired, he breathed this into the different authors of the Bible, and then they recorded it. Um, and so it's and it's useful. It's useful for, you know, for teaching, for for instruction, for learning what God requires of us to do.
0: Yeah. So, you know, my grandpa might have some really killer stories, right? And so I want to write those down. So you could think of that, and I suppose, in kind of a similar way, God. Yeah. And you, you would
1: want to be as, as accurate, right, to, mm-hmm. to what was being told. And so we can trust that the Bible is true, you know. And, and again, I hear myself saying, you know, this is like, well, it's true because God said it, and God said it, and it's true. And it's like, that's also faith, though. There's faith required to believe that the Bible is true. Yeah. Um. There's faith, honestly, required to believe pretty much anything, like even science. You know, mm-hmm. science has shown that, like, yeah, we have these empirical facts. But the reality is you get to the basis of it, and there are some things where it's like, yeah, we we can't really prove this. We just have to accept it, and the Bible is no different. Um. What is really cool about the Bible, though, and I know that you're a big fan of this, is that there is lots of proven yeah. facts in the Bible. Mm-hmm. We've got history. There's there's history in the Bible of like races of people, like the Hittites are one example. There's a lot of speak of the Hittites in the Old Testament. The Hittites and the Canaanites, well, yeah. Previous to like I wanna say the nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies, people laughed at the Bible, like, there's no Hittites, like who is this people group? And then all of a sudden, archaeological digs find these Hittite people that used iron weapons and like are oh, exactly sure. like the Bible described. Um there's prophecies. When we look in the book of Daniel, there are a lot of prophecies of the people of Israel and how um, the Assyrian Empire rose up. Alexander the Great rose up. And like, so there are proven prophecies the Bible spoke of, you know, hundreds of years before the events actually happened. And then we actually have the archaeology, you know, the actual recorded places that we now see, like, oh, these are actually, you know, real places the Bible's talking about. Oh,
0: sure. Even the discovery of you Know dinosaurs, those are in the book of Job that we talked about yeah? exactly. Yeah, pretty cool, and then, uh, you know, obviously, one of the ones that I always wanted to talk about right when I first heard this question is I think of the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, yeah. And the discovery of those was in uh, the 1940s. And basically, what we have is on the uh, north shore of the Dead Sea, there's some caves called the Qumran Caves, and in those caves, they found scrolls that I mean so everybody's pretty sure that carbon dating isn't super good but the carbon dating on these things is at least 300 BC so if you want to look at it in a scientific way these scrolls are old and what do they contain
1: yeah the Bible the New Testament the Old Testament Testament. yeah they contain
0: the entirety of the Old Testament except for the book of Esther
1: wow it's so, cool. It's, it's super really cool. cool. I guess I always thought the Dead Sea Scrolls were New Testament, but that makes sense that if they're so old, yeah, saying, <laughs> be old to Old Testament.
0: Yeah, so yep. yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and that's one of the things. It's like you know the 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 next thing I think that we you know need to talk about. It's like, well, what is the Bible? You know, you know, how can I trust that it's true? The next thing I I think you know if you're following a train of thought, you're like, okay, well, so the Bible's true. Why are there so many different versions? You know, I just read out of the what's called the New Living Translation. Yeah. Which is one version of the Bible. There's the King James Version. There's the NIV. There's the ESV. There's I mean
0: Yeah, why so many versions? And by the way, I must say that the New Living Translation, I've been reading it. It's yeah, it's an excellent version. I like it.
1: It's great for for reading. I love it for easy reading. To read, yeah. I love it to preach from it. And it just gives a, a different perspective. Um it's one it's a it's It's a combination translation where you have two different, you know, when you're translating the Bible, just kind of like jump right into why are there different versions. Yeah. Um, You have what are called um, uh, formal equivalency translations, and that means like word for word. That means like I'm looking at the original Hebrew, I'm looking at the original Greek, and I'm picking the best English word, and that's how I'm transcribing.
0: When you say, and I know you brought this up earlier, that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and was Aramaic. Yes. And then the New Testament was in Greek. Why were they different?
1: Well, so the Old Testament was largely written by the Hebrew people, the Israelites, for the for the Hebrew
0: people. Oh, right, so I suppose that's where the language Hebrew comes yes. from. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So,
1: so the children of Israel, um, you know, were that were God's chosen people. It was God's chosen race. He established a covenant through Abraham in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. He promised them a land that they would that they would inhabit, which they still inhabit partially today. Yeah. Um, the nation of Israel is in what was called the Promised Land, and so, as God's chosen people, it was it was in Hebrew because they were Hebrews, they were Israelites. Okay. okay. Um, whereas in the New Testament, the New Testament is the bridge when Jesus came uh, to Earth to provide reconciliation with the broken relationship between us and God because of sin, uh, back in the Garden.
0: Uh huh.
1: Um, he came to open the door, like, hey, Israel. They're still my chosen people. I still love them. I have a plan for them. However, um, the, the, the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he came to do is for everyone. In Greek, because it was the Roman Empire at that time, uh-huh. uh, Greek and Latin would have, been, um, would have been the common languages. However, Greek was what was spoken by intellectuals. Mm. And so much of the New Testament written in Greek because that's, that's what people wrote in.
0: I gotcha. So this, the scientific group at the time would have been writing in Greek, would have been listening in Greek. Okay. Right,
1: exactly. And so those languages, you know, Hebrew and Hebrew and Greek, when you take them word for word and translate them, you get what's called a formal equivalency. Mm-hmm. however formal equivalency isn't always the best to read like we've all read like use like google translate or something yeah, and you're yeah. like yeah that doesn't really make sense <laughs> it's like it's english words but the grammar isn't right
0: yeah it sounds like the pants i just bought on amazon
1: <laughs> 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 right yeah right it's so, like so those types of the, things so and um we have to look at that because then you also have what's called a dynamic equivalency. And a dynamic equivalency is saying, like, it's a thought for thought. Like, here, this is the thought. This is what they were trying to convey in the in the original language, and, like, this is what this means now. But I think that you get a separation because a, a formal equivalency, though, may be hard to read, is is word for word. Like, if we're trying to go with, like, is the Bible, the, back to the original question, is Yeah. the Bible we have now the same? Well, a uh, word-for-word translation is, is going to be better, uh-huh. just okay. not as easy to read. So I would say the NLT is a great combination. The New Living Translation we are just talking about is a great combination between word-for-word, where it makes the most sense, and where they're staying true. But it's thought-for-thought, where the original words or the original idioms or maybe the similes, you're just like, what does that mean?
0: Do they have that same word-for-word
1: it has a combination of both.
0: Okay. No, but I mean, does that word-for-word Bible still exist, though?
1: Yeah, I would say that King James is a very good example of a word-for-word translation. Um, and it's good. I love you jumping right into this, um, because, you know, I think we have to look at, just to kind of back up a little bit, kind of get behind the layers, is um, why do we have the Bible we have now? Well, clearly it wasn't written in English. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're talking and we're reading out of, we're studying in, in English. Yeah, Bible. right. So I think it's kind of important to look at, you know, how do we get where we are now? Um, you know, like I said, people started reading the Bible, uh, but we go into like the the um, into the back to the Roman Empire. Um, there's a man named Jerome, and he was a uh, he was a um, he was a priest, I believe, or he might have just been a scribe. But he was like, we need the Bible in the common language, and the common language of the Roman Empire, this is 405 AD, was uh-huh. was Latin. Okay. So Jerome went to the original text. He went to the original, you know, the oldest manuscripts that were in harmony with one another of the Old Testament and New Testament. And he produced what was called the Latin Vulgate. And Mm. the Vulgate was the closest word for word translation into the common language. Well
0: that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. It was a lot of work. Yeah.
1: What we know happened though leading into the Middle Ages is that people didn't know Latin anymore. You know, it's like when the Roman Empire collapsed, there were all these invading barbaric tribes, nomadic tribes that that were much less civilized in culture than, than Rome. And so people started losing the understanding of, of Latin. So now, again, we have the Bible. It's like, what does the Bible say? I don't have a copy. I can't read it. And the church kind of controlled that. And what's really interesting is that the Roman Catholic Church in 1227 actually outlawed any version of the Bible that was in the modern languages or well, the common languages. Why?
0: I don't... <laughs> Why would you want to do that?
1: Well, the church, you know, the Roman, when we say the church sometimes, you know, the Roman Catholic church was wanting to control essentially what the Bible said. And if I control the words of God and you don't know the language, I can tell you it says whatever I want. Oh, I can make you pay money to the church. I can make you do works for the church. I can impose things on you. And largely that's what the Reformation was about. Mm-hmm. You know, Martin Luther nailing the 95 Thesis to the door was essentially saying like, we need the Bible in our own language. We need to read the Word of God because, like, the Bible determines what we should do, not the church's interpretation of the Bible.
0: Amen. Yeah. And so
1: it was a huge revolt. But it's kind of cool because, um, you know, Martin Luther, you know, we're talking the, the Reformation in the 1500s, the Bible kind of went through some, some translations. Um, a guy named uh, John Wycliffe, um, and that was about uh, 1385, he took the Latin Vulgate. And he translated it from Latin into English. So oh, that okay. was the first complete version of the of the Bible in English. Different books, like the Psalms, had been translated. The four Gospels had been translated previous to this, but this was the first like whole English Bible was Wycliffe's translation. And uh, Wycliffe now is actually a, a missionary group, and um, they work on translating the Bible into languages where the Bible isn't in their language. Oh, that sounds so it's awesome. it's like still existing we, today. Based yeah, on we work. need to
0: link that. We we got to link that on the podcast somehow. Yeah, yeah on
1: the maybe on the, um, the episode notes.
0: Yeah. What was the name again? Wycliffe.
1: Wycliffe Bible Translators. Okay. But his name was John Wycliffe. Um, and of course, he was repaid uh, in England by being um, uh, excommunicated Um I think they, he, there was a warrant out for his arrest, and they wanted to execute the guy.
0: Just because he translated the Bible over to English. Because now
1: just average guy, average farmhand, you know, peasant worker can sure. read the Bible. And, like, if, if people start thinking for themselves, like, wow. we're going to have a mess on our hands.
0: So the Bible was a threat. Yeah. yeah.
1: So and it still is, really. It really still is. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, the, the next, I think, big thing was that the turn, in the next couple hundred years, the, big, the biggest change was the printing press when the printing press came out it's mm-hmm. like oh now we can mass produce we before that think about it like if you wanted a copy of the bible or any document like it had to be handwritten someone had to write wow. it so you're also trusting on the translation of you know maybe that person didn't pay a whole lot of attention to what they were transcribing like maybe your version wasn't that good sure you know because like you know you'd obviously different levels of education well the printing press allowed them to go back and what it really what really happened with the printing press is that People were able to get copies of the New Testament in the original Greek, and that was mm. huge because up until this time, it's like we're talking English Bible; it's a translation of a translation of the original. Right. Whereas, if I can get a copy of the Greek text,
0: of the yeah the real I thing. can now,
1: if I understand Greek, I can now look right at the Greek and I can translate it word for word and have a more reliable translation. Sure,
0: and I know I've seen you do that quite a bit when you're preaching. You know, you'll say, "Hey, so when we look at this particular word, it goes back to the Greek word of."
1: you know whatever so. yeah and it's so funny to think about because like yeah when i do that in preaching it's like i'm taking one word and i might spend you know half an hour yeah. to an hour like just getting to the bottom like what does this word mean what is the context whatever Can you imagine doing that word for word oh. for the entire bible so like that's a lifetime yeah so uh, john tyndale or not john tyndale um martin tyndale Might have been John.
0: Is it a Tyndale?
1: (laughs) It's a Tyndale. I'm blanking on the name. Sorry, Tyndale. It's okay. I didn't write down. I just wrote Tyndale. Okay. But anyways, uh, Tyndale in 1526 produced um, the first English translation of the New Testament directly from the Greek, and that was a huge. This was a huge deal because now it's like you know, the the further you get from the original. Like I teach photography. This is a great example. I teach photography, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, if I take a picture, right, and you know, digital, right, and I've got like the file. And then I um, save it to my computer, and then I send it to my phone, and then I um, print it out.
0: And then I take a picture of that. And then you
1: take a picture, or you make a copy of that. Like, the further you get removed from the original, it's like a copy of a copy of a copy. It gets worse. It degrades.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So this was huge because now Tyndale's like, boom, now we've got the New Testament in English from the Greek. This is awesome. And he was repaid. King Henry actually wanted the guy executed. Oh, wow. And what's ironic about that is that King Henry re- released uh, what was called the Great Bible, and his Great Bible that he the Great Bible is a precursor to the King James. 90% of the words in the Great Bible were exactly copied from Tyndale.
0: So a guy that's producing that's an interesting that brings up a question for me. Yeah. Why somebody that is making a Bible is trying to kill people?
1: <laughs> That's, it was, you know, when you look at the Church of England at that time it had a division between the Roman Catholic Church I see. The Church of England was kind of going its own way You have the difference between, like, Anglicans and, and Catholics mm-hmm. And so, you know, England is kind of always, you know, it's an island You know, they've kind of always kept the separation Well, the, they were trying to be, like, the authority And especially we're talking about the English Bible So it was in King Henry's best interest to produce this copy of the Bible and um, like I said, Tyndale had only done the New Testament, but after he died, um, other people influenced by his work, and he had done a lot of work in the Old Testament, but hadn't finished. But over the next 10 years, they finished a version of the Old Testament like in English. Okay, so cool. So it gave us a, a, an entire English Bible from the original Greek and Hebrew um, writing. Okay, cool. And then that set up the King James. And in the modern church today, the King James is kind of seen as like like, this is... The same as the original text, King James only. Like you'll hear yeah, that, right? King yeah. James only, and the reason is because it was at the time was the most reliable, accurate translation from the original languages.
0: And we're talking starting in what the 1600s? Says, yeah, sixteen eleven. Okay, King James okay. Bible. And so I know I went out, I went out and bought one because somebody had told me once, like. You just might as well throw all your others in the trash or put them on eBay or something, get a King James, you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's it's really interesting because those texts that King James is translated from, you know, we're skipping forward, you know, I'm going from 1611 to the 1800s. Fast forward in a couple hundred years. But the same text, and this would be for people who are King James only.
0: <laughs> oh, man. We've had some technical difficulties today. Yeah,
1: you know, the reality is we, we tried to record this episode once. Yeah. And um, it didn't. I don't know. Just wasn't happening, and then uh, we just had like that interruption earlier, and then like all of a sudden I look, and I mean, this is all new to us, right? Yeah. And I look at the device, and I'm like, "We're not recording."
0: <laughs> <laughs> the panic set in. Whether or
1: not we, you know, using this, I think it's just, just it's okay. For...
0: There, there might be a person listening, so we're good. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. So King James only, right? Yeah. That's what we were talking about. So. Because it was the best at the time, but skip forward 1800 or 200 years in the 1800s, um, you had a, a large group of scholars got together to revise the King James. To be like King James English, it's like that's fine if you're watching like, like a Netflix documentary on like, you oh, know, it's England. Hard. It's but tough. like, I'm not in Downton Abbey, like, <laughs> <and that's> like <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like. Um, so the language is, it, it's archaic, it's hard to read, and so this group, and the cool thing about this group of um, scholars was like, it was a pretty diverse group mm-hmm. um, from mm-hmm. from de- lots of different denominations. They they came up with um, what was called the revised version. Uh, it was finished in 1885. In the New Testament finished in 1881, the Old Testament in 1885, and the cool thing is the revised version was an updated um By to become both the New American Standard Bible and the English Standard Version were both based off of the the revised version that came out then. Um, The King James, the New King James, you might have seen the New King James Version. I've seen that, yeah. That came out in 1979 and 1982, and it was for the same reasons. Like, we need to update the language. Um, And so it's kind of cool to see that um, they used the same text that the King James was translated from but they updated the language, and I would say, you know, if you're talking like, you know, word-for-word equivalency, mm-hmm. uh, which, is, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the best, um, the New American Standard Bible, the ESV, King James, and the New King James all use the same method of translating and are all word-for-word translations. So
0: word-for-word word going all the way back to the Greek, essentially. Going
1: all the way back to the original, you know, the Dead Sea oh, Scrolls is... and the Septuagint of the wow. New Testament. Yeah, so so really cool. So that's why it's like I can pretty confidently say, like, the Word of God that was recorded, you know, by Moses and the prophets and everybody, um, that is the Word of God that we have now. And we can be pretty pretty confident in that.
0: We got some piano. We got some piano music in the background, and we're just going to roll with it today. We're just going
1: to roll with it. So... This this brings me to like what I what I would say is the crux of this question like how can I be sure that the that the Bible is true that the Bible that I'm reading today is the, is what God intended for me to read and and what I would say is as a believer as someone who has been transformed by Jesus Christ and what I mean by that is like have we've accepted that Jesus was the Son of God that He came He lived He died for our sins He mm-hmm. took He took that on Himself on the cross and then He was risen He rose again in power. Well, he imparted his Holy Spirit to us, and the job of the Holy Spirit is to is to reveal truth. You know, the Bible uh, says in um, it's in uh, John um, 14, 17, it says that he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Um, in John 14, 26, it says he, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit, will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. Um, John 16 8 says he will convict the world of sin Mm. so the job of the Holy Spirit is to reveal truth in God's Word so when I read the Bible now I have the Holy Spirit I have God himself in me and what I read resonates with his spirit in me so I know it's true and I know I have a way to live because I have the Holy Spirit right and that's kind of like the great unifier that's how I know you know when I'm reading because honestly there's versions of the Bible which I would actually call them more of a paraphrase of the Bible than a translation, where I'm reading it and it doesn't resonate. Like it might be poetic and it might be nice, but for me to place confidence in it, like it doesn't resonate with me in, in my spirit that this is the Word of God. Because it's more of a, does that make sense more? Of yeah, a, so more of a what, do you, what do you do
0: at that point though? Do you pray into that? or how? I think you
1: pray into that yeah. and I think you go to a more reliable, formal equivalency a word-for-word translation and compare the two i mean there's nothing wrong with reading. like i would say so an example of a paraphrase would be like the passion translation or the message Mm -hmm. right those are both versions of the bible that are made for easy reading but like i wouldn't take that as gospel i wouldn't take that as holy scripture and i think if you looked at the old church fathers or the apostles i don't think any of them would either Mm -hmm. i think it's great and it's readable but for me to like Place my faith in something i want to get as close to the original as i can and so i'm going for you know new king james esv you know and i'm not saying this i hope you know no one's hearing this i'm not saying that with any judgment
0: no no i don't but think, yeah
1: we need to be we need to be aware we need to be alert you know the bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and if wow. he can get me off track a little bit especially about truth that can change everything.
0: Right. And so I think that that's kind of where you have it. You have these questions are really good for maybe the brand new believer or somebody that doesn't believe. But once you accept, once you accept Jesus as your savior, that's when the world changes. And then you have that faith and you have that Holy Spirit that you're talking about that, you know, like I know with all of my being that what I'm reading in the Bible is true
1: yeah in the Holy Spirit you know the Bible says that that he he is putting he puts our old self to death, and all things are becoming new he's you know we're being renewed in in our in our thoughts and our actions you know and it's a it's an ongoing process, but I forget who I was talking to recently, but they said, yeah, I've read the Bible before I was a believer, and they've come to know Jesus later in life, and they said it just never made sense to me Mm. but once they had you know been regenerated by the holy spirit you know they're reading the bible and it's like the first time because their eyes are open to like whoa, this is this is truth you know this is absolute truth this is like the directions for living this is how i can know the heart and the mind of god Um, it's through his word that he left for us
0: sure so i think that's where you have it people so read the bible believe in jesus christ keep keep listening but read your own bible first and foremost Ask the Holy Spirit into your life, yeah
1: yeah, and, and let me say this. I love this this kind of like a kind of encapsulates everything we've been talking about the last couple of minutes, but um, in First Corinthians 2 verse 10, and again this is the new living translation, uh, it says, "But it was to us that God revealed these things by His spirit, for His spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secret. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thought except God's own spirit. And we have received God's Spirit, Mm. not the world's Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Mm, That's beautiful. There it is. I love it. There it is. So I think, you know, the last thing I would say is like, how do we have the mind of Christ? Well, it's by receiving Jesus. It's receiving Jesus' ultimate sacrifice. It's saying like, I can't do this on my own. I can't understand God's word and I can read this book and it's not going to make sense or resonate unless I've acknowledged that, that Jesus is the son of God, Mm -hmm. that he came to restore relationship with God and that he left the spirit for me.
0: Absolutely. There it is. So we receive that Holy spirit,
1: receive that Holy spirit. Good, good, good question.
0: Cool. Well, catch us next time. Uh, And Definitely DM us on Instagram.
1: Yeah, uh, Instagram, we're at questions on the way. Um, you can also find us on uh, email. You can email it to questions on the way at gmail.com. Um, Feel free to follow along, subscribe on your uh, podcast listening platform of choice.
0: And despite technical difficulties, give us five stars. Yes, yes. Uh,
1: Yeah, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please review us. That's the best way um, for us to get in front of larger audiences. And again, I say that when I was like, ew, larger, but it's like not because... I have any desire that no. what Greg does, no. but because we want to make much of God,
0: yeah, further the kingdom.
1: yeah, and if God can use this for anybody, you know wherever they are, they're at for, to encourage you, to give you hope, to give you joy, um, to convict you. Um, you know we just we just wanted to use God. So. Mm-hmm. send us a prayer. Yeah, man. Please be praying. We've got a lot to learn still. Yeah, absolutely. But thanks for listening. Thanks for joining. And uh, we look forward to uh, answering your questions. Awesome. This is Jeremy and Greg. This is is Greg. Questions on the way.
0: There we are. Peace out. See
1: you.